Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Dolphins Rewind on the home of every Miami Dolphins game. WQAM and streaming on the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Lexus, who invite you to see, hear, feel, and experience amazing. All right, 13 straight hours of Dolphins football. Content right here on AM. 560 Sports WQAM begins right now. What's up, everybody? It is Alejandro Solana, and I'm live here in Buffalo. Look out my window here. It's like 40, 45, 46 degrees right now in Buffalo, which isn't too bad considering it's late October. Um, you know, I circled this one on the calendar a couple months ago when I knew I'd be following along with the team. And I'll tell you right now, this was like best case scenario for. Uh, a Halloween game in Buffalo. No snow. No snow. It's only been uh, it's been around 50 degrees the past couple of days here. So uh, I consider myself lucky as I travel as a a young kid from Miami-Dade County, where I pull out the uh, the jackets when it gets into the high 50s, low 60s. I'll take I'll take around 50 degrees here in an October, a fall day in Buffalo, New York. Dolphins are gonna look to avoid going. Seven straight games without a victory, and um, yeah, we're going to talk some Dolphins today. Again, Dolphins Rewind Show, you can hear every Sunday morning during Dolphins season right here on AM560 Sports WQAM at 8 in the morning. You can follow me on Twitter if you like, or Instagram, at Alex M. Solana. Dolphins coming off a another tough one. Uh, you lose to Atlanta the other day, and last Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium, you fought a one and six, and truthfully, it did, no other way to describe it. But um, it's it's rock bottom right now for this organization. Um, I'm gonna read you three things we learned after that Atlanta loss. We're gonna look ahead today to the game versus the Buffalo Bills, and obviously the story that dominated the week once again as we near Tuesday's trade deadline. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson rumors, more Deshaun Watson reports, more updates on Deshaun Watson. At one point this week, there was a uh, a report that a trade has been agreed upon between the two sides, but that the Miami Dolphins are looking from the NFL, more information on Deshaun Watson availability, if they were to trade for him, not only now, but long-term as well. And that's kind of been the missing factor in what is keeping this trade from officially taking place. Look, nothing's happened yet regarding Deshaun Watson. Tua Tungvaluwa is still your quarterback. 
Brian Flores said in a press conference on Friday, and I'm going to play this audio for you in just a couple minutes, that Tua Tungavailoa is the Dolphins starter for the rest of this season. He made that clear in his statement. Again, I'll play it for you in just a couple of minutes. So I don't want to spend a full hour doing the Sean Watson talk because there's a game to look forward to today and there's a game to revisit versus Atlanta as well. And truthfully, until the deadline is passed, these rumors will continue to circulate or until something happens. And I don't expect anything to happen today. So that's where we stand. We'll touch on it again in just a couple minutes. But I would like to spend just a couple minutes on what happened versus the Atlanta Falcons. I know the first couple things that you think of right in that loss, obviously the Miami Dolphins defense late in the game, letting Matt Ryan and that offense just go down the field, march down the field and, uh, and, and kick a field goal and win the game. Second consecutive game that the Dolphins lose with a game ending field goal. You're losing to teams who are not very good. And it's just, again, another frustrating loss. You hear Brian Flores all week talk about the margin of victory being so slim between a victory and a loss, right? That margin being so small and the Dolphins continue to be on the wrong end of that each week. And against teams that we expected to be easy victories coming in to this season, talked about it last week. Nobody saw what we're seeing right now with this Dolphins team, which is a team who might be the worst team in the NFL. It's tough to say that um, and and believe it, but listen, the numbers do not lie. They rank at the bottom basically in every statistical category. And uh, you're getting some better performances out of Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and that might be a bright spot, but you're losing to teams that we didn't think they'd be losing to before this season started. And speaking of Tua Tonga-Vailoa, of course, the two interceptions you have to talk about on uh, on Sunday against the Falcons, they were inexcusable at the time. There's no doubt about it. Tua does come back, though, in that fourth quarter. He gives you the lead. Two touchdown drives. Tua Tungavailoa played a hell of a fourth quarter. He gives you the lead in that game, and you ultimately leave way too much time on the clock for Matt Ryan to do something he's done so many times in this league. Uh, that Falcons team may not be great, and he may be uh, an older version of a Matt Ryan that at one point was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he's still too good to give that much time to in the fourth quarter. And this defense is just not good anymore. There's no other way to say it. This defense is not what it was last season. Far from it. Certainly far from it. I do want to read for everybody um, a, a, an article from Fansided, uh, the Miami Dolphins Fansided affiliate. It was written by Jeremy Klump of Fansided. Uh, uh, three major takeaways from Week 7 versus the Atlanta Falcons. And number three, we'll start there. Mike Kosicki is amazing. And it reads, pay the man, pay him, in all caps. And there's there's just, uh, there's no doubt about it. Mike Kosicki is exactly who we expected him coming, who we, we expected him to be coming into this season, right? Mike Kosicki has been absolutely incredible. And uh, I'll continue reading here. If there's one player in the Miami Dolphins that deserves a contract extension, it is tight end Mike Kosicki. The tight end has been incredible all season outside of an inexplicable week one where he was not targeted. And luckily, the play callers, they, they figured it out, kind of, to a certain extent. I'll continue reading here from the article. Since week one, Gesicki has had 37 catches, 427 yards, and two touchdowns. He is the most reliable weapon on the Dolphins' offense, and they should target him on every third down and every play in the red zone. More likely than not, if you throw the ball to number 88, he is going to catch it. Gesicki had two hand catches where Tua's leading him 
down the middle of the field. He's catching it with his hands. Doesn't have to throw it at Kasiki's body because his hands are just that good. He has been so impressive. And I'm with I'm with uh, fan-sided. Pay Mike Kasiki. More here from this article. Miami would be crazy to let him walk in free agency. And they would show their incompetence by needing a franchise tag him too. Kasiki should be rewarded with a new contract this week to try and boost the team morale and get some positive eyes. Well, that didn't happen. Um, and then it, it ends up with Gesicki may not be an all-pro or pro bowler at the end of the year, but he is working towards being the Dolphins' MVP on offense. I also saw this stat on Twitter from Jason Sarney, who uh, who tweets a lot of good stuff about the Miami Dolphins. And he said, Mike Gesicki has been far and away the most dominant fourth-quarter tight end in the NFL in 2021. 17 catches, 203 yards, and a touchdowns, uh, and one touchdown. Six receptions ahead of Font in the fourth, and 50 yards more than Pitts. In the fourth quarter, he is the third in the NFL in receptions overall for tight ends and fourth in receiving yards. Yeah, Mike Gesicki is legit. He continues to show us every single week. I'm loving Tua Tungabailoa finding him. And it's frustrating watching this knowing that earlier on in the season, Mike Gesicki would only be targeted in the fourth quarter. You remember that Vegas game. First three quarters, can't find Mike Gesicki. Feels like he's off the field for too many snaps. And I know there's a bunch of stats out there that show Mike Kosicki, uh prior to the Falcons game was off the field one in every three offensive plays for the Miami Dolphins, which is totally unacceptable. He's your best target. He's your best weapon. Maybe him and Jalen Waddle. They need to be out in the field as much as possible. And play callers need to be getting these guys in situations where they can make plays. And you saw it there in the fourth quarter uh, uh, with Tua Tungavailoa. Number two here on... Three things we learned from the Dolphins' loss versus the Atlanta Falcons. Number three was Mike Kosicki. Number two, Jalen Waddle was good, but Kyle Pitts is great. And I think all of us can share a, uh, a, a side together watching Kyle Pitts do what we all knew he was going to do coming out of college. We all knew Kyle Pitts was going to be a monster. And truthfully, maybe we didn't want to admit it after the draft, but we all knew the Dolphins... As, as much as we like Jalen Waddle, as much as I like Jalen Waddle, and as much as we know Jalen Waddle is going to be really good in the National Football League for a couple seasons, Kyle Pitts is going to be a, a, truthfully, I hate throwing this around, but he's probably a generational talent, right? I hate, I, we use that way too much in the NBA, in the NFL, uh, people use generational talent way too much. It's probably, uh, probably going to be Kyle Pitts that we remember from that draft and what kills us all collectively, a sigh, again, is that the Dolphins could have had him. The Dolphins could have had Kyle Pitts, and we wouldn't have to be having this conversation. I'll read here from Fansided. Kind of reiterates what I'm just saying. I love Jalen Waddle. I think he is as advertised, and he's going to be a solid weapon in the NFL for a long time. On Sunday, he showed that he is a weapon, catching seven passes for 83 yards. Waddle has been a bright spot for the Miami offense, and he is a first-round pick that you can feel good about moving forward. Waddle is part of the future, and he should be playing in Miami for a very long time. His 44 catches, 384 yards, and three scores are all solid numbers for his rookie season. And I'm sure Miami, uh, and I'm sure they'd be even better in Miami if they hired a fourth offensive coordinator this season. However, and this is not a knock on Waddle at all, as again, I'm a big fan of his game, but the Atlanta Falcons tight end is, in all caps, elite. That tight end is Kyle Pitts, the player I was begging Miami to draft all offseason. Again, this is courtesy of fan-sided, uh, and they call him a generational talent as well. Kind of share my thoughts on this. 
Um, and they go into how Miami could have drafted him at number three overall. Pitt showed Miami how silly they were for passing on him, catching seven passes for 163 yards. On the final drive, the, uh, drive of the game, Pitts had catches of 23 yards and then a dagger 28-yard reception to get Atlanta into field goal range. No one could cover him all game, not even Xavier Howard. So while I love Waddle and think he's really good, Pitts is on another level and has future All-Pro written all over him. Things just don't seem to work out for the Miami Dolphins. It all kind of came full circle versus Matt Ryan, Jalen Waddle being, uh, and it's not Jalen Waddle's fault, but Kyle Pitts looking better than Jalen Waddle in 2008. What was the Dolphins' problems? When we look back, they take Jake Long over Matt Ryan. Had you taken Matt Ryan first overall? And look, I get weak. Everybody expected Jake Long to go first overall there. So I'm doing revisionist history, and I get it's not fair. But back in 08, what was the Dolphins' problem? No franchise quarterback and draft drafting issues. Continue to miss on guys in the draft. And now, what, 13 years later? Did I get that math right? 13 years, 14 years later? What are the Dolphins' problems? It all comes full circle. Matt Ryan is still in the NFL, still on the Atlanta Falcons, and he's beating you with a guy who you could have had, but you whiffed on the draft, and you trade back into the draft, then you trade up a first-round pick. Now you're 1-6. and six. You don't have your first-round pick this year, and the guy you like, Jalen Waddell, isn't better than the guy you could have had. This organization continues to fall into the same problems and they just can't seem to claw their way out of it. And then number one on fans sided. Three things, again, we learned. Three major takeaways we learned from the Dolphins' loss versus the Falcons. This is the one I disagree with. Number one was the Miami Dolphins have a hard decision to make about Tua Tungavailoa. Before the season started, I felt the starting quarterback, Tua, could be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL if he stayed healthy, a week two injury, which cemented injury-prone concerns, forced Tungavailoa to miss the rest of week two and three more games following that. Tua has been back the last two weeks, ready to show that he can be a top guy in the NFL, and well, he has not shown that, and if we're being honest, he has not shown it much at all. If you have an elite quarterback, you do not lose back-to-back games to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Atlanta Falcons. It just does not happen. Yes, quarterback wins is a stupid stat. Tunga Bailoa used to be praised for his 6-3 and rookie record, which has quickly become 7-6 and in his second season. I'm not even focusing on the win-loss stat, but just how Miami has lost these games. If you read the stat sheet, it looks like Tungavailoa has played solid. He completed a high percentage of his passes, and he had four touchdowns this week. However, stop watching the game for stats and start watching it deeper. Miami's offense is so bad, and Tungavailoa is part of that. Tungavailoa consistently throws the ball behind the line of scrimmage, and a big pass is usually 10, dar- uh, 10 yards down the field. A couple more stats there. Again, that's fan-sided three major takeaways from Week 7 against the Atlanta Falcons. Look, Tua hasn't looked special. He's looked good. Versus Jacksonville, he looked good. And versus Atlanta, other than those two interceptions, which I'm not excusing him for, but I think the first one in the red zone at the end of the half, Tungavailoa reads, uh, thinks that you know his tight end is going to do one thing. He throws the ball and the tight end doesn't, doesn't make that read. Once we have more context with some of these interceptions, um, I, I think you can you know, alleviate some of uh, the blame off of Tua. I'm not excusing him for this because I know some of you are just out on Tua. You don't want to hear anything um, contrary to what you believe, which is he's a bust and you're ready for the Dolphins to be done with him. I'm not. Again, and, and if that's the way you believe, then fine. But unfortunately, that's not the way I believe. Uh, here, here are some stats for you. 
Tua Tungavailoa, 620 passing yards since he returned from his injury. That's third in the NFL. A 74% completion percentage, third in the NFL amongst quarterbacks. In his last two weeks, six touchdowns along with those three interceptions, sure. I mentioned the 620 yards. I mentioned the 74% completion percentage. And two go-ahead fourth quarter touchdown, touchdown drives. And against Atlanta, he was 24 of 30, 205 yards, 80% completion, four touchdowns, and one interception when the pocket was kept clean for Tua. And he was 6 of 8 for 45 yards when he was blitzed. So Tua has shown us that when he has a clean pocket, when the offensive line is playing well, he can make plays happen. If you're frustrated with the fact that the Dolphins don't throw the ball deep, everybody's frustrated with that. Is that Tua Tungavailoa or is that the fact that the Dolphins can't create a pocket for him to extend plays, to allow his receivers to get down the field? And I don't have to go into deep detail about how bad the play calling has been this season, how bad the entire uh, offensive coordinator system, these co-offensive coordinators, but you have a third guy calling the plays. It's been a total debacle. Again, I'm not creating excuses for Tua Tungavailoa. The two interceptions were a big part of why the Dolphins lost the game. Brings it back in the fourth quarter, and there's no doubt that he put them in a position to win because he gives them the lead. So in my mind, those two interceptions, while they were important and while they led to scoring drives for Atlanta, he comes back and he makes up for it. He was good in the fourth quarter. It was the defense that let this team down, but it's clear as day that when this team has their drive scripted, right? The first drive of every game for the Dolphins, when they come out of the half, when they're scripting these drives, yeah, they look fabulous. But when the Dolphins, for example, in the second quarter, have to come out and make adjustments and do things differently than what they already had drawn up coming out of practice from the week before, things just don't look the same for this team. And it's not until they're in desperation mode, like we saw again versus Atlanta in the fourth quarter when you're down a couple scores, that this team figures it out, that they're able to make big plays, find chunk plays. And I don't get it. I don't understand why you can do it in the first quarter on the first drive. You can do it in the fourth quarter, but in the second quarter and halfway through the third quarter, you're struggling to get first downs. You're struggling to move the ball. It's one of the more head-scratching things about this Dolphins team. Again, not just uh, not just Tua, but the entire offense as well. And it also doesn't help that, hey, your offensive line is no good and you're out there throwing to Seathan Carter, Durham Smythe, and, uh, and Matt Collins. I mean, the Dolphins go out, they pay Will Fuller money. They had Devontae Parker, who uh, they were expecting to be great. And then Preston Williams also continues to miss games. I mean, your, your, your wideouts were supposed to be Devontae, Preston, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell, Mike Gesicki. And you're out there, it's a, it's, it's a team full of tight ends and Jalen Waddell. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Isaiah Ford caught a touchdown pass the other day. And by the way, Preston Williams, he's not playing again today. And, and we'll find out more about some of these other guys. It's frustrating all around. And Dolphins fans, I share your frustration. I don't know if it's going to look any better today. I don't know if the Miami Dolphins can pick up a victory in Buffalo on the road. I don't know. I wish I could tell you that uh, things were looking good for today. But obviously, we all know that they're probably not looking great for a Miami Dolphins team that is spiraling and needs to figure out a way to uh, to get some victories here. Because 1-6 going into Week 8, unacceptable. All right, coming up next... 
I will give you some roster moves that the Dolphins made yesterday, roster moves from earlier in the week. I'll read you the injury report. And plus, I'm going to read for you the Brian Flores, the, the part of the Brian Flores press conference where he's asked about Deshaun Watson and he mentions that Tua will be the quarterback for the remainder of this year. You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Rewind Show here on AM 560 Sports WQAM. This is Dolphins Rewind on the home of every Miami Dolphins game. WQAM and streaming on the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Lexus, who invites you to see, hear, feel, and experience amazing. Welcome back to the Miami Dolphins Rewind Show here on AM560 Sports WQAM. I'm Solana. I'm here in Buffalo right now, getting ready to go watch the Dolphins take on the Bills. 1 p.m. kickoff today, Miami. Again, 1 and 6. They're looking to avoid their seventh straight loss. And the Buffalo Bills, 4 and 2 this season. They are as good as advertised. Josh Allen is better than anybody expected he would be coming out of college. They have uh, they've beaten the Kansas City Chiefs, the Bills, um, their two losses coming against the Tennessee Titans a week ago on Monday night. They're coming off a bye here, so they had they had a full two weeks to prepare for the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> which is not good. Um, and um, they had a chance to win that game too against the Tennessee Titans. Josh Allen slips on on a late fourth down situation. And that's how they end up losing. They, of course, beat the Dolphins 35 to nothing week two. That's when Tua was hurt. They were coming off their uh, their week one loss to the Steelers, which is as surprising as any loss the Bills will have this season. I'm certain uh, after the Dolphins, they'll have the, the Jaguars next week. They'll have the Jets. They'll have the Colts. And then they have the Saints, the Patriots. It's not until December 12th versus the Buccaneers when they'll have a real tough test ahead of them. Pretty easy stretch here for the Buffalo Bills coming off. They're by week. They're four and two. Expect them to be legit Super Bowl contenders. Um, before I get into comments from Brian Flores, and we're going to play some comments as well from Josh Appel, who's on the national radio broadcast today covering this game. I actually went to get some Anchor Bar wings with Josh Appel yesterday. You'll hear about it coming up in just a moment, why we went to Anchor Bar. But there were some roster moves uh, this week. First of all, two Hurricanes were signed to the Miami Dolphins, two former Miami Hurricanes. Duke Johnson, running back, joined the team's practice squad, and they signed Sheldrick Redwine to the active roster. Jason McCourty and Malcolm Brown were put on the IR following their uh, their injuries versus the Atlanta Falcons. And then the Dolphins, they also uh, signed quarterback Jake Dolegala out of Central Connecticut State. Remember, they waived... Reed Sinnott earlier in the week. The Dolphins announced today, I'll read you the, um, or they announced yesterday, I should say. I'll read you the injury report momentarily here, but the Dolphins signed Patrick Laird. Our guy Patrick Laird is back to the active roster, and they also elevated linebacker Vince Beagle and cornerback Jamal Perry for today's game at Buffalo. Why am I excited for Patrick Laird? You just, you just have to understand. You, if, if you don't listen to the Hawkman and Crowder show, you just don't understand, but uh, excited excited to get some Patrick Laird snaps today. Preston Williams and Sheldrick Redwine, they're both out. They did not travel to the game with the Miami Dolphins. Here was your injury report, your last one on Friday. These are the players that are questionable. Jerome Baker with that knee injury, he was limited all week. His status is questionable. Noah Igbenogany, whatever. Greg Mance, whatever, hasn't been available 
They're both questionable. And then Devontae Parker, because of course he was limited all week in practice, he is questionable as well. I just told you, no Preston Williams and no Sheldrick Redwine. Tua is on the injury report, but he had full participation all week in practice, so he will be starting today. Xavier Howard, full participation. Byron Jones, full participation. Jalen Phillips, who is kind of non-existent versus the Atlanta Falcons, he was on the injury report all week prior to that game, so I'm sure injuries played a part in that. All of those guys expect them to play today versus Buffalo here. Um, as again, the Dolphins, a 1 p.m. kickoff versus the Buffalo Bills. So the Sean Watson saga continues to loom over this franchise. Here's what we know this week. There was a report, as I mentioned last segment, that the Miami Dolphins, um, the, the Dolphins have a deal in place with the Texans already. That report has been refuted as well. Uh, Steven Ross laughed off reporters at NFL League meetings. So much was happening uh, where he kind of knew what the questions were going to be about. He said, I don't want to handle this. He kind of walked away uh, in a joking manner. And um, and in reality, Chris Greer, nowhere to be found. He's not answering questions. It's Brian Flores and it's Tua Tungawailoa being thrown out into uh, these press conferences weekly. And all they're getting asked about are these Deshaun Watson rumors. I don't like the fact that Brian Flores has to go out there and answer questions about things that he's not making the final decision on anyways, because it's not Brian Flores that's calling Steven Ross and saying, you have to trade for Deshaun Watson. Now, does Brian Flores want Deshaun Watson? Maybe. He's a better quarterback than two others, no doubt. But is he the one spearheading this movement to go out and get Deshaun? I highly doubt it. And certainly, it's not Tua Tungavailoa's fault. No matter how you feel about Tua, this is fact. He has had his share of, uh, of, of controversy since he entered the Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, uh, being inserted into games when Tua struggled to now these Deshaun Watson rumors. It's been a tough go for Tua as an NFL pro. And listen, two things are true. One, he's on the Dolphins, so get used to it, buddy. Two, you're in the NFL, so get used to it, buddy, right? I mean, you're a professional athlete. These are the things that are going to happen. You get paid millions of dollars get over it, you deal with it, and we move on. And I'm cool with that, okay? I'm cool if that's how you feel about it. But I also understand this is a 23-year-old kid who has entered into what appears to be now for his second straight season, kind of a toxic situation. I mean, it's not ideal for a franchise, what you hope would be your franchise quarterback. So Friday, Brian Flores once again was asked about it by reporters multiple times. I'm going to play this like three-minute clip here of all these questions where Brian Flores ultimately uh, says that Tua will be the starting quarterback for the remainder of the season, and that appeared to kind of quiet the questions for the rest of the press conference about Tua. Well, um, this week we heard Mike Tomlin come out and deny the college reports for him. We heard... Kyle Shanahan say there wasn't a Garoppolo trade in the future. Why wouldn't you come out with the Deshaun Watson rumors and just say, hey, that's not true if, it, if that's the case? I mean, I think I've said this multiple times. Two is our quarterback. Um, I don't get into rumors. I don't get into speculation. Two is our quarterback. I understand that. Um, I guess the question, like last October, I remember being here and Xavier was the topic, the rumor of the time. and team put out a statement saying we're not interested in any Xavier trades I'm curious why this time is different I, I wouldn't say it's different I would say I've answered that question by saying two is two is our quarterback 
Um, and I'm not, I, I'm not getting into speculation. I'm not getting into rumors. I'm not getting into uh, rumor speculation, distractions. I'm focused on our team, focused on our quarterback, and that's Tua. Can you declare definitively that he's a quarterback for the rest of 2021? Definitively that he's the quarterback, you know, barring no, like, I mean, there's a lot of things that, 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 yeah, barring injury, yeah. You mentioned the concept of distraction. I'm curious, obviously we have different perspectives on the idea of a distraction. Do you view not talking about it as, as a better way to deal with it versus addressing it head on? Uh, not talking about it. So when I say two is our quarterback, is that not talking about it? Well, I guess the, the, actual, the actual trade rumor, like there's been reports that you guys had agreed to terms on a deal, right? Yeah, so, I, I don't get into reports or rumors or uh, speculation. I'm focused on our team and the guys in our locker room. And I think when we get get outside of that, you know, that's not where my focus is. My focus is on our players. I'm interested in our players. I'm talking about our players um, and helping them improve and get better. And that's where my focus is. And, you know, that's where it's always going to be. Well, feeling on that subject, uh, when I asked you about this the other day, I asked him, um, would it not make you feel that much better if the Dolphins came out and said, we are not interested in Deshaun Watson? Would he not appreciate that? Um, and from that point of view, what do you think? Would he not appreciate that? Would anyone not appreciate hearing from the boss, I'm committed to you? I mean, when I say, you know, he's our quarterback, that is me, you know, saying we're committed to him. Again, that's Brian Flores there answering some Tua questions on Friday. That was actually a really good question. I think it was Cameron Wolf of NFL Network. I'm not sure exactly who asked it there, but why when Xavier Howard was reportedly asking, not reportedly, he confirmed, he posted a, a, a statement on Instagram that he wanted a trade and the Dolphins came out and Brian Flores came out and said, we're not interested in any trade for Xavier Howard. Flat out, no questions asked. We're not trading Xavier Howard. Well, why won't they do the same thing for Tua? And don't forget on Wednesday, Tua Tungabailoa, sorry if you hear the uh, the ambulance here. I'm, I'm live from my hotel in Buffalo, New York. Some ambulances are driving by. Tua said something interesting earlier this week where he said he doesn't not feel wanted, which is not what you want to feel like if you feel like you found a home and you feel like you're a franchise quarterback. It's not that he feels wanted. He just plainly doesn't not feel wanted it's it's just a weird situation I think the Dolphins have clearly handled this poorly are they interested in Deshaun Watson it's just so obvious at this point that they are and Brian Flores as much as again I think it was Cam Wolf you heard him there try to get Flo to say that they're not interested in Deshaun Watson he can't say it because he knows it's just not true so he has to dance around it Flo hasn't handled this correctly or maybe not correctly but he hasn't handled this in the best way and again I don't really blame Brian Flores for all this controversy. Brian Flores continues to be thrown out to the wolves and has to answer questions that he has truthfully no say in. 
and it's Chris Greer and it's it's Stephen Ross, the decision makers who hide and and don't come out and and answer anything as you know these these conversations and these questions continue to loom over the franchise. And I don't know if it's affecting Tua. I can't say for sure that it is, but I know for a fact that I wouldn't want to be somewhere where my feeling is I don't not feel wanted. No, I mean you want to be somewhere where you know you're going to be able to to feel like you've been accepted. And you feel like they're behind you. And at this very moment, clearly the Miami Dolphins are just not behind Tua Tungavailoa. Coming up next, you're going to hear from Josh Appel, who I went to Anchor Bar with. It's where I, uh, I had dinner last night. He's doing the national radio call for today's game. Coming up at 1 p.m., it is the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. Coming up in about uh, just a couple of minutes after this final segment here on Dolphins Rewind. It will be the Miami Dolphins pregame show with Channing Crowder and Kevin Rogers. You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Rewind Show here on AM560 Sports, WQAM. This is Dolphins Rewind on the home of every Miami Dolphins game. WQAM and streaming on the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Lexus, who invites you to see, hear, feel, and experience amazing. All right, one more segment here. I'm live from Buffalo. It's Solana as uh, the Dolphins get ready to take on the Buffalo Bills, a 1 p.m. kickoff here in Buffalo. I'm learning a couple things about this city. They're very football crazy. Everybody last night was out. Nobody's wearing Halloween costumes. Everybody's wearing Buffalo Bills gear. I went to Niagara Falls uh, on the on the, on the the American side. Couldn't go over to the Toronto side, but it was beautiful. This has been pretty cool this season, going to different cities. And you know what? Buffalo's not too bad. I got to hand it to the uh, the Buffalonians. I don't think that's what they call them, but I got to hand it to them. Buffalo's not too bad. I'm spoiled from Miami-Dade County. Grew up in Miami, and I, I think it's the best city in the world. But I got to hand it to Buffalo. It's not as bad as, uh, as I was expecting. It's actually a really nice city. So uh, I'm happy I got to come out here and experience the falls, and go to the Anchor Bar, and get the wings, but as for the rest of the city, it's not too bad. I have some family in Rochester, which I got to visit on Friday as well. They're all huge Bills fans, and I know they're going to be smack-talking me uh, if the Buffalo Bills win today, but all in all, it's been a, a pretty cool trip. Somebody I was with yesterday in Buffalo, Josh Appel, is going to be calling the game for Sports USA Media, the national radio broadcast today at Highmark Stadium. He joined the Hawkman and Crowder show earlier this week uh, to talk about candy, but his food takes, his candy takes aren't good, so don't worry, I cut that out of this recording. Uh, but kind of preview today's game between the Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Again, Josh Chappelle, he's actually the Marlins PA announcer as well. He was on with Hawk and Crowder earlier this week. Are the Dolphins the worst team in the NFL? Solana had asked uh, this of us early in the week. And you can make a case for it. Obviously, there's teams with worse records. Where are they in the pantheon, pantheon, Solana, of worst teams in the NFL? And uh, and what do you think about the 14-point line on Sunday? I mean, I don't know how you could really argue with the 14-point with the line considering the score the last two games, especially the one at home. Lost by 30 there last year in, in the season finale. So I think that line is just about right. Hopefully, you know, compared to the season finale last year, too, it can have a better game. Uh, um, are they the worst team? You know, the last couple losses, obviously it's hard to argue. They lost to two of the worst teams that everybody thought coming into the season. So it's 
I, I don't think they're the worst team, but they're certainly not uh, making the case for themselves that they should be regarded any higher than that. And the the biggest story, you 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 brought his name up, Josh Tua. And I know you watch film. I know you prepare for these games. What's your unbiased opinion? Because we argue about him every day down here of Tua Tagovailoa right now. I mean, if you look at his numbers through his first 13 games and you say to yourself, all right, if this was his rookie season and these are his numbers through his first 13 games, what is it, 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions, a little under 3,000 yards, I think everyone would be like, all right, this is a pretty good trajectory for the guy. And you look at his last couple of games, granted, the Jags defense and the Falcons defense, they're nothing to write home about, but the alternative is that he doesn't play well against those teams and we're having a different conversation. And that's why I kind of object to the idea when people try and discount what he's done the last couple of weeks by saying, oh, it was just the Jaguars. Oh, it was just the Falcons. All right. Should he not have thrown for 300 yards against them in the first game or four <laughs> touchdowns last weekend and put them in a position to win? He's clearly not the single problem with this team. I think he's had a lot of ups and some downs. And I think what's been most impressive, especially these last couple of weeks when people talk about the disaster plays that he's had, it's how he's bounced back from them. And I think you guys talked about it uh, coming out of that game earlier, earlier in the week, just that you know he did throw the two interceptions in a really bad spot. They were really bad throws that you, it's hard to defend. But what do you want to see from him after that? You want to see him come back and respond. And when they went down 27-14, with two and a half minutes to go, he was throwing a touchdown to put them in the lead 28-27. That's what I would want to see from my young starting quarterback. And these are some traits that we saw from him at Alabama, too. He doesn't get phased by a lot. And, you know, I saw uh, something on Twitter earlier today, just the juxtaposition of his face doing media in uh, before week eight and doing media before the season. One looked really happy. One looked obviously a little bit dejected. We know what he said yesterday about whether he feels wanted or not. I mean, he's a young guy, but for the most part, he doesn't seem like he's been affected by much. I've been encouraged the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Sunday's a big test for him, and I'm sure that game in Week 17 last year is on his mind. Solana visibly rolled his eyes when you used the word juxtaposition. Solana wants, <laughs> Solana wants to use just one and two syllable words on this show. He feels more comfortable. Um, how would you classify, though, if I said you have to classify the treatment of Tua Tagovailoa by the Dolphins since they drafted him? We know he seems confident, and maybe he's rattled, maybe he's not. Who knows? How do you classify the treatment of him since they drafted him? Not great. I think that, yes, this offseason they did try and cater to him. They hired Charlie Fry as the quarterback coach who has a prior relationship to him. They drafted his college teammate in Jalen Waddell. They brought in Will Fuller. You know, you had Devontae Parker coming back. Mike Gusecki is coming into his own, but they didn't give him a, a steady running back to help with the run game. They obviously didn't address the offensive line. Uh, they have two coordinators who had very little experience calling plays. We weren't even sure if Godsey or Studisville were the ones calling plays. Some are saying that it was Charlie Fry, and he's never called plays in the NFL. So just because they've tried to put him in a good situation this year doesn't mean they deserve credit because clearly it's failed. And any success so far that he's had, I think, has been in spite of what's been going on around him. And then you couple all of that around the noise with Deshaun Watson. I, like, people are comparing this to, oh, well, the Cardinals drafted a, a guy the following season with number one overall and gave up on their first-round pick the year after. Well, number one, Kyler Murray doesn't have the issues surrounding him that Deshaun Watson had. And number two, Tua has been 
so much better than Josh Rosen was in his one season as a starter in Arizona. And then obviously his rookie season, he's coming off of that major hip injury. And anytime he's struggling, they didn't leave him in there to try and figure it out. It was all right, short leash, Ryan Fitzpatrick, come and try and save us. And that's no way to help a, a rookie grow. And I realized the, the position that Brian Flores was in last year, because obviously they had a team that was competing for a playoff spot and you want to try and win games, but that was coming at the expense of your rookie quarterback that you invested the number five overall pick in. So I think it's a mixed bag. Have they tried, especially this past offseason? Yes. Has it worked? Clearly not. And, Josh, on the other side of it, now with the Bills, we know they're, you know, they, you know they, they have a chance to win the Super Bowl. They are a team ready to win. Last week they lost, though. We don't have a 250-pound, you know, piece of granite running seven yards per carry. So that, that, that approach can't make it. How do the Dolphins compete? How do they not get blown out this Sunday? They have to get off the field on third down against the Bills. You know what's going, what that offense is going to do. They're going to get theirs at some point, but you have to be able to minimize it. And then on offense, you know, Tua can't have those disaster plays that he's had the last couple of weeks because Buffalo's a team that won't let you hang around. In Jacksonville and Atlanta – not not exactly the same class as, as Buffalo. If Buffalo is number one in the league or tied for the league lead in turnover margin, and that's been a big reason why they've gotten off of this start. And you look at their last loss at Tennessee, three-point loss. So they just said to Kansas City, week one, an inexplicable one-score loss at home to Pittsburgh. It's still obviously one of the uh, teams at the top of the AFC. They pretty much have to play a near-perfect game. And, and offensively, I think we're going to see a lot of what we've seen the last couple of weeks Quick throws, RPOs with Tua, you know, try and get the ball to Waddle in space, try and hit Gusecki over the middle. We'll see if it works, and we'll see what kind of adjustments they made uh, after week two. Obviously, losing uh, Tua in the second series in that first game of the season didn't help matters, and all the turnovers and mistakes they made in that game, those all got to be eliminated, and they got to protect Tua on Sunday if they want to have a chance. Again, that was Josh Appel. He's going to be calling the game today for the national radio broadcast. He was on with Hockman and Crowder, and that's where you hear me, 2 to 6 p.m. weekdays right here, AM 560 Sports WQAM, the exclusive home of the local hour of the Hockman and Crowder show. In case you're, you know, you tune in just on the weekends, WQAM was 560 The Joe. They got rid of 560 The Joe, and they're back. We are now back to just AM 560 Sports WQAM. It's good to be doing the Dolphins Rewind show under the original name of this radio station, AM560 Sports WQAM. In just a couple of moments, you're going to have the Miami Dolphins pregame show with Channing Crowder and Kevin Rogers. Before I hand it over to them, I wanted to read one more thing here. And uh, it's this article I read. It was on the Dolphins fan-sided affiliate, the Fin Fanatic. It was written by a guy, Matt Cerniak, and it was titled, It Would Be So Miami Dolphins to Win This Game Sunday. And he begins with a disclaimer that reads, I'm not picking the Dolphins to win Sunday in Buffalo. Nope, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is that given the current state of the franchise, if that's what you want to call it, I would be sort of on, it would be sort of on brand for them to go on and win this game. And look, as a lifelong Dolphins fan, this is me talking here. Matt is 100% correct. This is what the Dolphins do. Quick couple notes from this article. He mentions in 04 when uh, Monday Night Football Dolphins upset the Patriots. They were a 2-14 and team. The Patriots ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. Or after the team fired Joe Philbin and Dan Campbell somehow got this team to win two straight games. 
And then he mentions the Miami Miracle. Um, he, he ends it by saying, when the Dolphins are counted out, they have a way of making things interesting and even sometimes overcoming long odds. And I doubt this team wins today. The Bills are really good. The Dolphins, as we know, are not. It's that simple. But this is what this team has consistently done, uh, done over the past two decades. Give you a sliver of hope when truthfully, all hope should be lost. And we're all at this point where we believe the season is over. We're all there. Which is exactly why a win in Buffalo today would be the most Miami Dolphins thing ever. Nobody's counting this. Or no, Everybody's counting this team out. Nobody believes they're any good anymore. All this controversy with the with the quarterback, with Deshaun Watson, a win today would uh, would certainly be the most Miami Dolphins thing ever. If, you know, so would a blowout loss in Buffalo. That would also be very Miami Dolphins. This has been the Dolphins Rewind Show on AM 560 Sports WQAM. I'm Alejandro Solana. I'm heading over to uh, to go watch the Dolphins and the Bills. But coming up next. You don't want to go anywhere because you have Channing Crowder, former Miami Dolphin. He played a couple games up here in Buffalo, and Kevin Rogers, and they're going to get you better, uh, get you prepared for today's broadcast between the Dolphins and the Bills. Again, it's a 1 p.m. kickoff. You can hear it live right here on the radio home for the Miami Dolphins, AM 560 Sports WQAM. Follow me at Alex M Solana if you want to see my anchor bar wings from last night. We'll talk to you next week for Week Nine. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.